Are you aware in the space of a short second of time, the Lord God Almighty who loves us can reveal himself to the willing spirit of a man or woman of God? No? Listen in and find out. Let's do this, Johnny! Welcome to the Breaking It Down podcast. I'm Brother Ron, your host, and each week I bring you the inspired word of God as we together discover and unlock its life-transforming truths. Thanks for listening in. What's up, church, brothers and sisters, saints and eights? Welcome to another edition of Breaking It Down with Brother Ron. Wow. Uh, normally we have Brother Man chiming in at this point, but uh, we decided to give him the, the day off. He needed some time off to himself, if you know what I mean. So sorry that uh, we didn't get him uh, intruding on the beginning of our show as usual. But uh, we're going to pick up from last week's episode, What Happens When You and I See the Lord?, uh, got some more good content, more good scriptures for you. So get your di- Bibles out, blow the dust off the covers, get your fingers ready to turn a lot of pages because we're going to hit a lot of scriptures uh, today. So let's get starting on this and break it on down. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. That uh, scripture comes from our... Uh, our main text, if you remember, uh, that was Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, and then I jumped over to verse 5. I saw also the Lord, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. During our last show, we were just started getting into Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through, or verses 1 through uh, 8, by opening up and discussing or breaking down how um, Isaiah, what Isaiah saw when he went in the temple that day after uh, the death of King Uzziah, that um, Isaiah was in the temple and he had a life-transforming vision of God, right? He saw God you know, seated on a throne, his train filled the temple. He saw the seraphim uh, about his throne crying out, holy, holy, holy. So we're going to pick up from there. All right, so Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to begin uh, verse 1 again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. And if you recall from last show, the seraphim are another word for the burning angels, or the burning ones, sorry. So above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Again, that was Isaiah chapter 6, and we read verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to focus on verse 5 tonight. I'm sorry, or today, whatever. Whatever time you're listening tonight, today, tomorrow, whatever. All right? Okay. Man, I need Brother Man back here to help me out. <laughs> I miss him. Uh, you don't? Okay. All right. Well, I, I miss him. All right. <laughs> All's well. All right. So, uh, what I wanted to get into tonight is that um, uh, when we see God, or as Isaiah saw God in the temple, 
it wasn't a fact that he went in there seeking God. He probably went in there to pray. He's probably upset, depressed, worried, because one of the good kings, King Uzziah, who reigned for 52 years and was a good king until the last, what, uh, eight, nine years, I can't recall that. he went. Remember, he went into the uh, temple and defiled it by uh, offering uh, incense uh, on the altar or something like that. Anyway, we read about it last time, and I don't recall exactly, but... It, he went to the temple and he did the work of the priest, which he wasn't supposed to be doing. So he's probably, he being Isaiah, he's in the temple, he's worried, concerned, um, you know, good King Isaiah is gone. And he sees the vision of the Lord. He says, I saw the also of the Lord. Thing I want to point out here, he wasn't directly trying to seek God with his human mind, with his human nature, with his intellect, with his brain. He didn't go in there and say, I want to go find God, see God, you know, see the Lord lifted up on the stone. He That wasn't his, not his intention when he first went into the temple. But God revealed himself to him. That's right. God revealed himself to Isaiah. And that's the point I want to point out is that when we try to, we want to get a glimpse or to, um, you and I want to see the Lord. It, we can't do it by human means. We can't do it by intellect saying, oh, I'm going to go find and see the Lord. No, our hearts have to be right before God. Because we see in verse 5 when God, um, that when Isaiah sees that vision of, of uh, the Lord high and lifted up, he sees the holiness, basically, of the Lord. He starts confessing, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. In the presence of the Lord, in the glory of the Lord, Isaiah sees how how much of a sinner he is in comparison to 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 the good Lord, right? He's a fallen man, a sin man, sinful man, and in the light, in the glory, in the holiness of the Lord, we all will be seen. We'll see ourselves for who we really are, the sinful nature, the sin fallen beings that we are. In fact, um, God's holiness is so great. His separation from uh, creation to infinite, his moral excellence, uh, so brilliant that, you know, we saw the seraphim. They had two of their wings they used to cover their faces. It was too dangerous even for the seraphim to look at God or to have God look at them. Uh, in Exodus 3 and 5, we have the story when Moses saw the bush on fire and it wasn't burning up. And he was like surprised, like, hey, how's this bush on fire not burning up? So he got closer to get a to get a better look at that bush, and that's when God spoke to him in Exodus three and five. Said, "Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." So same thing with the seraphim; they were on holy ground above God's throne. Um, they didn't have sandals to take off like Moses, but they did have wings, and they used them to cover their feet and cover their eyes. Uh, so when we get that glimpse of God. If the angels, the seraphim, are covering their eyes and feet, and God told Moses to take off his sandals when he approached the burning bush because of holy ground, the same thing is occurs to us. Again, our whole, our sinfulness becomes evident that, oh, well, we are shouldn't even be here. That's what we're thinking. What was me, said Isaiah. He thought he was done. He thought he's going to he's gonna, um, die. God was going to kill him at that point because of his sinful nature. Right, because the whole earth is full of God's glory, and it's all about Him. You got the seraphim going, and they out this shouting or saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come, and is full of glory." So Isaiah is overwhelmed. He's in the presence of God. He's caught a vision of God, the holiness of God, and 
You know, he's probably thinking like that we talked about earlier last show that, you know, those who see God, you know, they died according to the Bible. And again, this wasn't the essence of God he was seeing. He was seeing uh, the incarnate Christ at this point, the the Lord uh, that they're talking about here in Isaiah 6. So again, as at this point, Isaiah was convinced that his unclean heart had ruined him. And this is why he says, for my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. Isaiah thought he was about to die again in the presence of God because he's seen the, the Lord lifted up. And that's the, the consistent disposition of those who have seen God's glory or the glory of the Lord. And Exodus uh, chapter 33, 18, um, we see there Moses is saying to the Lord, same Lord that we see here in Isaiah, he says, please show me your glory. And God responds and says, you know, God pledged to cause his goodness to pass before Moses. And then in Exodus, um, sorry, and then uh, verse 20 in Exodus 33, God warns Moses, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. We just talked about that. And then we look in uh, Judges 6.22, you got Gideon who uh, responded to a divine visitation by the Lord by saying, alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And again, in Judges 13.22, Manoah uh, responded to a an angelic announcement of the birth of Samson by saying to his wife, we shall we shall surely die because we have seen God. And just a couple more in the New Testament we have in Luke 5 and 8, when Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus revealed himself to Simon Peter by giving him a miraculous catch of fish. Peter said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Okay, same Christ. This time it's the incarnate Christ in the New Testament. Uh, pre-incarnate Christ is the one they saw in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament we have uh, the incarnate Christ. He had uh, come down to uh, to the earth in the form of man. Okay. Anyway, and um, when glorified, when the glorified Christ uh, revealed himself to John in Revelation one seventeen, again this is at this point he's returned to heaven. Now he's risen from the dead, and he's now seated at the right hand of God. Um, Christ revealed himself to John and says. And when I saw, and this is John talking, Revelation one seventeen. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Uh, so he was like, likewise when Isaiah saw the Lord, he thought he was going to die, but he didn't. And that's the point. God was gracious. God's graciousness um, was demonstrated in the fact that you know they both should be dead because they of their sin. Yet God spared their lives, and the same with us today. Um, let's turn over to um, the book of Romans, book of Romans, and we're going to be reading from verse five. Let me get there with you. Book of Romans, verse five. I'm sorry, Romans chapter five, beginning at verse one. Romans five and one reads, therefore, having been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So being justified by faith, we have peace with God now. So like when Isaiah went in there and he's like, woe's me's undone, I'm undone. Well, we can go in there now and we don't have to say woe's me because we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And where we now have peace through the risen Christ, Isaiah didn't have the risen Christ in his day. But uh, after his confession, he said, woe is me, I am undone, I'm a sinful man. 
he um God he God sends one of the seraphim from around his throne to minister to Isaiah. Of course, it says in verse six, uh, verses six and seven say, then one of the seraphim or fiend flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Okay. Uh, as believers in the New Testament era, right? We saw Romans, just saw in Romans 5 and 1 that Christ, in a sense, is that burning coal for us because he has um, taken away our iniquity. He, through his grace, he has cleansed us. So same thing here, right? This is just the Old, ver the Old Testament version of that same theme. Um, so behold, he has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And this iniquity... Uh, uh, refers to Isaiah's sinful nature. His sin refers to Isaiah's sinful acts, and God cleans clean both of them. Right? He cleanses sinful nature. Right? We're all born as sin with a sinful nature, and then his sinful acts, the things he had done in the flesh, God took care of both of those. Um, notice how Isaiah's cleansing illustrates the sovereign grace of God. It saves us through Jesus Christ. First, Isaiah's cleansing was authored by God's will. Wasn't God? Isaiah's idea. Isaiah thought he was done for. It was God's will. Same thing when we get born again. It wasn't our idea. God revealed himself to us through his word, through a minister speaking to his word, somebody witnessing to us. It was his will. It was authored by God. God's got to first reveal ourselves to him, him to himself to us before we return reach out to him. But anyway, Isaiah thought he, he was about to die. He didn't think about he didn't think forgiveness from God was available at that point. He didn't ask for it or expect it. But Although forgiveness was not on Isaiah's mind, it was on God's mind. Uh, likewise, Isaiah's cleansing was accomplished by God's work. The live coal that touched uh, his lips is important because it was taken off the altar, the place of sacrifice. Uh, you can read, uh, turn into Leviticus, uh, I believe chapter 16. Uh, yeah, 16, Leviticus 16, verses 11 through 14, and you'll find that the burning coals were part of the sacrifice the high priest used uh, to make for himself on the day of atonement, lest he would die in the presence of the Lord when he went into the Holy of Holies. So that's the way that he cleansed himself uh, back in the day with a coal or with uh, the um, burning coals that were on the uh, uh, altar of incense, on the incense. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> so God himself provided you know, offering a call to, to uh, on Isaiah's behalf. And then finally, um, Isaiah's cleansing was affirmed by God's word. Not only did God send the seraphim to, you know, touch Isaiah's lips for, for uh, with the call for his cleansing, but God also sent the seraphim to announce it saying, behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. So there was the confirmation of God's word after here, um, the seraphim touched the coal to Isaiah's lips. God pretty much said, yep, you are sin is purged and you can be in my presence. So here's another reason why I know, you know some of us don't have a high view of God because we're not, <laughs> to be really honest, we're not awed or amazed or appreciative for the forgiveness God has graciously provided through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, right? You hear people telling stories, um, and they're, they're nice stories, and some of them write books, um, 
claiming that they've had a vision of God. Uh, they've been, you know, that near death experience and they went to heaven and saw God. And, you know, they're usually wonderful, joyful, lovely experiences, right? So much so that, um, like I said, they write their books, they go on tour, they become a religious, quote unquote, religious celebrities um, telling about their visions of God. But is that really what they saw? We saw it's not not for Isaiah, right? In, in verse five, he says, "So I said, woe is to me." The word "woe" means more than grief, sorrow, or regret. It's a word of divine judgment. Yeah, and Isaiah declared divine judgment on himself. He's in the holy presence of God, and um, he says, "Oh man, I'm done. I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." I'm done for. It's over, y'all. <laughs> Turn out the lights and go home because yeah, I'm in the presence of a holy God and I am not uh, worthy of that. So, again, those people that write those books, you know, well, more power to you. But I, I really don't think they had a vision of God, uh, so they claim. Okay, because if you have a true vision of God like Isaiah... You're going to fall flat in your face as dead. I want to turn to, that reminds me, I want to turn over to the New Testament now. There's a, a, a uh, passage I want to look at that kind of breaks this down more. So in the New Testament, I want to look at Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. This is a pretty well-known passage of scripture. This is when Jesus is transfigured on the mount, his transfiguration. And I'm going to read the uh, beginning at verse 17. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, chapter 17, I'm beginning reading at verse 1, and uh, reading at the New International Version, the NIV. Uh, so it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before him, for them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Sound familiar, right? Back in Isaiah 6, right? Just then... There appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, good old Peter, don't know what to say. Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. Okay, who's that sound like? Yeah, Isaiah. We just saw that. Isaiah said, what was me? Same thing here with Peter and uh, James and John. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Okay, what we saw? Yeah, remember the seraphim? They touched the lips of Isaiah with the coal from the altar. Well, in this case, the Lord himself, he touched, he touched them, touched the disciples. And he said, get up. He said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus standing there. And uh, do I want to read verse 9? Eh, might as well. Verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. That be the glorified Christ at that point. So there we see the relation or the correlation between the disciples and the transfiguration of the mount, Jesus' transfiguration on the mount, and how the disciples fell down when God spoke, and Jesus said, don't be, touched them and said, don't be afraid. Same thing we saw in Isaiah, right? The pre-incarnate crisis, who he saw. And the seraphim, in that case, took the uh, coal 
and touched it to the lips of Isaiah. So we have it in the Old Testament. We have it in the New Testament. All right, let me just leave you one more point, and uh, we'll wrap this all up. The grace, the grace of God is free, but it's not cheap. Uh, of course, it costs God His only begotten Son, Jesus, right? And it costs Jesus His life. But grace also costs the one who receives it. It doesn't cost you in order to receive it, but it does cost once you receive it. Get that? It doesn't cost you to receive it, but once you do receive it, then it costs you. But it does, um, and the text illustrates this in the burning coal that was touched to Isaiah's lips. It was so we saw it was so hot that in verse six it says that the burning one wouldn't touch the burning coal. He used tongs, right? The seraphim used tongs to take it off the altar and place it on Isaiah's uh, lips. Uh, these teaches this teaches us that you know grace is free, but. Repentance is painful. I like that. Uh, and repentance is painful because God only not only wants to cleanse us of our past sins, he wants to consecrate us for future service. And let me say that again. That's so good. Repentance is painful because God not only wants to cleanse us from our past sin, he wants to consecrate us for future service. And we see this in verse 8. Isaiah overhears God speaking in the divine court there saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah wasn't part of this conversation, but you know he he butted in and he knew he should have been dead, right? We saw that, but here he is alive and forgiven. So he says, you know, so he says, "Wow, well, since I'm forgiven, you know, here I am. I'm sent me, Lord. You've been so grace. Your grace, you know, set me, um, set me free, set me, uh, cleanse me, set me, made me righteous, made me sanctify me, cleanse me." So he says to God, "Here I am. Send me." He didn't even know what the mission was, what God was asking him to do. But that didn't matter to him at this point. Since God spared him and saved him, he, Isaiah was willing to do whatever God wanted to do at that point. That's why another reason I know when many of those um, people who say they have a high view of God don't, because they're not willing to, to to go all out and say, whatever you want me to do, Lord, without even knowing, I'm doing it. You got to you know, you gotta beg us, twist our arms, or stroke us against to serve God sometimes. But if you really understood what it means to be spared and saved and sanctified, again, all this means if you really got a glimpse of the Lord, right, you would say, here I am, Lord, send me. And maybe, maybe that's why the church used to sing this song. It goes, use me, Lord, in your service. Draw me near every day. Lord, I'm willing to run all the way. And if I stumble while I'm trying, don't be angry. Just let me stay. Lord, I'm willing to run all the way. We don't have that in the church today, to be honest. Everybody's seeking, for the most part, most people in the church are seeking God for things. We talked a little bit about that, and not God himself. Um, God has to reveal himself to us. Our hearts got to be right. We got to be purified, sanctified, like Isaiah, right, set apart. And Christ has done that. We saw that in Romans 5 and 1. So it didn't cost us. The grace didn't cost us. But when we received and take that grace... Now it's going to cost us. Now we have to serve the Lord. And that's, I think, what the biggest failing in the body of Christ today is we get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we start seeking God for things, but that's where it stops. We use God as a sugar daddy. I'm not trying to be irreverent, but you know, it's okay to ask God for things you need, but not solely. That's not the sole purpose of your relationship with God, but it's to seek Him and to, serve, to be a service to Him, to be used by Him. All right. Enough said. Thank you.
Yes, indeed. I hope you enjoyed that word uh, as we continue to talk on what happens when you and I see the Lord. I was blessed by it. I hope you were blessed. And uh, yeah, um, it's the end of another show here, folks. As always, there's two things I ask of you. Most importantly, please, please, please pray for me. Pray for the show. Pray that God will continue to use me to speak forth his truth, to break it down and make it simple so we can apply it to our lives each and every day. And number two, like the show, tell somebody about the show, rate the show, leave a comment on the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Google Cast, uh, Spotify, and all the other platforms you may be listening on. Spread the word because that's the only way the show will grow. Our family here will grow on breaking it down. And we'll bring bring more into the kingdom of God and reach more with the word of God. So that's my ask of you. Please do that for me. Uh, other than that, um, hopefully Brother Man be back from vacation next week. We'll have him on the show. Uh, I miss him still. But sometimes I don't. You know what I mean. But anyway, y'all be good out there. I love y'all. Um, get into the word. Go over the scriptures we covered today. And then join me here again next week on Breaking It Down with Brother Ron. Peace, y'all. I'm out of here.